Outside it has grown cold, and as I walk along through the secret of evergreens, I draw my jacket close around my shoulders. Little footfalls clatter along at a breakneck pace. I can hear them, but I see nothing. By all accounts, I should be home by now, but I seem to have lost my way. Darkness will soon begin to creep around the edges of the tree line, and so I quicken my pace. A sound trickles into my ears, quiet at first, and then thunderous. I recognize it distinctly as laughter, but it is unlike any I have ever heard, high and thin, small and sharp, uncanny, not human. It is coming from everywhere and nowhere at once. I break into a run. I am running. I forget to watch my feet, looking only ahead at a possible path. This was a mistake. I see a cottage in the distance, but trip over something and land hard in the snow. I look behind me to see I have destroyed a small mound of earth decorated with sticks and lichen, and then it becomes abundantly clear. I have angered something. I feel the pull of a hundred eyes, but see nothing. The footfalls begin again, small and light, like rain on canvas. From the cottage, I see a woman running toward me. Her eyes are strange. One can see me, but the other... It sees something else. Through the din of tiny feet and tinkling laughter, I can hear her. She is screaming, Don't touch them! Who? I yell back. But before I can hear the answer, the sound amplifies as though it is coming from inside my own head, and my limbs begin to twitch. Suddenly, it is as though I am being pricked by a thousand pins. I cry out just as a gunshot echoes through the forest and the footsteps make their way back into the trees, turning to the sound, nothing more than the wind. As they dissipate, the forest grows black. When I awake, the woman is looking over me. One of her eyes is addressing my face. The other, which has become noticeably bloody, scans the forest. What was that? I managed to sputter through the frozen terror in my chest. She breathes in a shaky rattle, and both of her eyes, wide with panic, momentarily lock on mine. They know, she says. They always know. Who? I shout, overcome with fear. Elves, she whispers, and falls limply into the snow. I'm Holly. Leslie and <laughs> we would be dead. <laughs>
So I think we nailed it. We are laughing, but it's fine. It's funny. I say elves. (laughs) So guys, we're recording separately this week. Yeah, we're remotely this week just as a precautionary measure for for a, a minute. We'll be back to live next week, I think. So Yeah, for sure. So hey, Leslie. Hey, Holly. Hey, fiends. This week, we ruined Christmas. <laughs> Yay. Hooray. <laughs> but my name is Holly, and my birthday is two days after Christmas, so I feel like if anyone is entitled to ruin it, it's me. Do you think your parents knew what they were doing? Yes. They will say they don't. And my mother <laughs> listens, and so she's going. <gasps> she really? to, Oh, she does every week, and she's going to call Marianne. me. <laughs> I know. Marianne's going to be so mad. And she's going to call me and be like, no, I would have named you Holly no matter when you were born, but that's a lie. She named me Holly because of Christmas, and my dad has sold her out. So That's so funny. I thought you were going to say she would have named you Holly Noel. <laughs> no. It's Holly Marie, though, so still. Yeah. It's just like festive and then also religious. I love it. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, poor sweet Leslie is a casualty in the war this week. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we have officially entered the winter holiday season. And we have lots of treats lined up for you all. First, hit up our merch store for our amazing holiday goods. They are finally here. Yes. Oh I'm my so God. excited. I love them so much. Our special reindeer skull logo will only be around for a short time. So get your full color prints and cards. We also have um, like just the one color, like our other shirts. Um, what are they? Just t-shirts or do we have a long sleeve? Uh, just t-shirt and t- tank tops. T-shirts and tank tops. Awesome. And then I think we have stickers. Stickers. And we have these really cute, I don't have a picture of it yet, so it'll be up there soon, but these really cool looking tea towels, like dish towels, they're so cool and I'm so excited to have them out for the holidays. Awesome. So we have all of that really cool holiday stuff and um, they're super gorgeous and unique too, so go get yourself some before they run out. Yes. And there's nothing like the holidays to encourage spreading a little cheer and goodwill. So if you have not done so already, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really does mean the world to us, and we don't want to have to sacrifice anything to the gods of eternal youth during the holidays, because I hear that's frowned upon, right? Absolutely, Like, people don't like that. No, they, I mean, they just don't want to be bothered during this time. That's true. You're very right. They have holidays, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is their time to, you would think it's their time to do more work, but it's actually their time to take off. Yeah. So, like, let's not try and bother them. Right. Because I'm going to need it during the summer, so. Oh, my God. (laughs) Agreed. And if you want to give us the gift that keeps on giving this holiday season, you can support We Would Be Dead over on Patreon. For just a little monthly donation, you can gain access to special live patrons-only events, our monthly 30-minute horror movie, which was really fun this past month, get some discounts on our merch, receive your own personal on-air toast, and more. Lastly, if all of that was overwhelming but you still want to help out, you can simply share our posts or episodes. Super easy. Sharing is caring. Your friends could be fiends, and then we can all party together. Yay. Awesome. Respectfully, like social distancely. Yes, right now we could party <laughs> together via Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> but another I know we time. We have to do a person. Zoom soon. We do. We will do a Zoom for our patrons soon, I promise. I know that's been in the works, but um, everybody's been a little bananas recently. Um, but look out for our winter holiday spectacular. That one is free to all of our listeners and potential listeners and that aunt you want to scare, whoever. And it's happening on December 18th. I cannot wait. I am almost too excited for words. 
John's coming back to do cool makeup. It's going to be the best time. Um, I think that's all for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add? No, uh, not this time. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, then. On with the show. Well, Thanksgiving has passed, and to most parents across the country, that means the arrival of our most love-hated holiday companion, that extravaganza laureus, relentless harbinger of the holidays, the elf on the shelf. Yes, ours are, like, right next to me watching me right now. (laughs) I didn't have to do that, so I'm excited. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You never know, one day. Mm. As I sat up to my elbows in paper snowflakes this Thanksgiving night, wondering how I was going to yet again maintain a month of magical hijinks, I got to thinking about elves. If the elves of myth and legend knew the perky red and green kitty show treatment that we have given them, they would be making all of our lives a living hell. Because in reality, that's what they were good at. (laughs) It should come as no surprise to you that if we sifted through all the fictional elves on our bookshelves, which Leslie will be doing some of shortly, none of them would accurately represent the elves' true genesis, which is, as so many things are, based on Norse and Icelandic mythology. Hmm. Norse mythology, which locationally speaking would be Scandinavian, in case people were like, where is Norse? It's there. They uh, they begin by speaking of light elves and dark elves. Light elves were beautiful humanoid creatures who lived in a parallel universe to ours. They walked the same paths and inhabited the woods, but human eyes were unable to see them. They are referred to as either immortal or simply creatures who live a great deal longer than humans, which is pretty common with all of the versions. Mm -hmm. They're like immortal or almost immortal in everything. (laughs) Like they could maybe (laughs) die, but they'll live for a really long time. Dark elves were said to be quite ugly and were sometimes given distinctly Roman characteristics because everything is based in, like, political things. They lived in caves in the bowels of the earth, and they were small, tough, and hot-tempered craftsmen who specialized in mining and metalworking. So different are they from the ethereal light elves that further classification evolved into necessity, and today we know them mostly as dwarves, a hard-living and often violent subcategory of elf that we will get to in a little bit. But for now, when we speak of elves, we are referring to the light variety. Mm. Elves were associated with mischief, illness, beauty, magic, and seduction. Oh, my. I know. I want that to be, like, what's on my grave. (laughs) I know. See, that sounds like fairies to me. Well, they are closely related. I know there's like a race of elves that are like fairies. Yeah, the elves that crept their way into Scottish mythology are like Mm. fairy folk. They are, they kind of like tie in the two. They're the bridge between them. And they do things, which I'll get to later, like they work with changelings. Yeah. So we would have spoken about like some of their antics when we did uh, Bridget Clary. Right. But the elves I'm talking about right now are sexy elves. Mm. I mean, you will agree, I think. There's truly no other way to put it. They are linked to very strong um, acts of seduction. So before you all imagine David the gnome banging everything he comes across, let me set the record straight. And hey, you know what? Maybe that does it for you. Uh, If it does. (laughs) No shame here. Have fun on that quest. But most of us are probably pretty taken aback by that image, so let me assure you, that isn't what these particular elves were supposed to look like. Elves in this 
part of mythology were slender and beautiful, with golden hair and pale shimmering skin, and of course those iconic pointy ears. It has been said that they were given this appearance because that is the ideal Norse look. Like if you were a Norse person, that is like your ideal. That's what you wanted to look like back in the days of yore. (laughs) The ears, the pointy ears were kind of like a last minute addition to set them apart as not exactly human. And because of them, elves are also said to have excellent hearing like that of a forest animal. Oh. Mm -hmm. All light elves possessed a supernatural beauty that was unparalleled. Frequently, they couldn't be bothered with humans as they had their own super cool lives to worry about, obviously. But occasionally, they were horny or in the mood for some trouble, and then look out. When an elf would come across a human they were interested in tampering with, they could kidnap them, so they would, like, snatch them up from one realm and take them into another, or they would simply make themselves visible to their poor human victim and seduce them with their otherworldly beauty and charm. My, my. I know. If they chose seduction, the human in question was a willing and enthusiastic participant in the physical acts that always came about during these encounters. I'm talking about doing it. Uh, But, like, the most beautiful thing they had ever seen in their whole life just appeared out of the mist in front of them and lavished attention on them. So, yeah, they're going to agree. I know. That sounds like a pretty good day. Yeah. I'm getting hot. (laughs) Like heating up over here. Oh, no. (laughs) That's okay. We always get sweaty when we're recording. (laughs) Okay, so that's like a sexy encounter. But if the elves chose kidnapping instead of seduction, though, well, then you get elf rape. Ah, fuck. I know. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And that was the thing. Male elves were even said to come to human women at night and rape them in their sleep. Oh, my. I know. Tough. Elves were rapey little perverts sometimes, which makes the whole Santa connection a lot less wholesome. Mm. Elves would sometimes engage in this act for sport and other times for procreation, as it was said that they were able to crossbreed with humans if they so desired, and the resulting offspring would be a human of unbelievable beauty talent, and intelligence. Mm. Mm-hmm. When a human would produce such a child, a child who seemed to be sho- so shockingly beautiful that no filthy organic creature could have possibly created it, the elves were given credit. Or say if, like, I don't know, you were a medieval man who wasn't anything much to look at and your wife ended up giving birth to a beautiful child who definitely did not look like you, well... Elf rape might be a nicer explanation than, say, the tall, handsome blacksmith down the street. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe just a possibility. Huh. This image of an elf, the beautiful being that sought out sex with humans, also carried them into the more romantic Anglo-Saxon lore where they were attendants to the fairy queen. Wow. So that's fun. In this Midsummer Night's Dream version of the elf, which is kind of what carries on into like Irish and Scottish lore, they were seen as more closely related to the fawn character or satyrs, who are also pretty much just all sex and mischief all the time. (laughs) It would be like Pan. Good times. This image also travels seamlessly into Greek and Roman mythologies, where they transform kind of into nymphs, the beautiful and almost always totally naked female personification of nature. Yeah, so they're all related. 
And because Christianity has to have its hand in every pot, there is also a version of Christian mythology wherein these otherworldly forest dwellers appear. Apparently, Eve, as in Adam and Eve, bit the apple, all the stuff, had a tribe of children. And one day God came down to see them all. But he gave Eve and the family very little warning of his arrival. Eve bathed and dressed as many of her children as she could, but being the prolific breeder and starter of all humanity that she was, she just couldn't get to them all. So, when God descended and asked to see her children, she had the ones who were still filthy hide in the shadows and presented only the clean ones. God, however, being God and all, could still see the children Eve chose to hide. And as... Why would you think you could hide them from God? Go over there. God will never see you. You're behind a bush. You know I can see them, Eve, right? Like I can – I'm all-seeing. That's kind of my thing. But she was like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. Um, he Obviously, he could see the, those children. And as punishment for hiding something from him, God told Eve that if she wanted to hide those children, then so be it. From that point forward, no man would be able to see them. So those children, the beautiful original children of Adam and Eve, existed in a separate and parallel realm and would go on to spawn a whole race of really pretty, drastically inbred, invisible magic people. Wow. So, yeah. Did you learn that in Bible school? We did, yeah. Really? <laughs> well, no, I did hear that. I heard, I did hear that version. We didn't learn that in Bible school. I wish you Actually, had. Or my high school... We had several teachers mm-hmm. that taught um, different religion classes, mm-hmm. and one of our teachers was very much into, like, mythology, and so he would bring up fun little facts like that. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. learn it at, like, Children's Day at church? No. Okay. No, not quite. Well, there's no <laughs> word on how rapey and kidnappy these people were, but it stands to reason that they favored those activities pretty strongly. Yeah. While it's true that elves were said to kidnap humans for sex from time to time, that wasn't always the reason for their abductions. As I mentioned before, they weren't just after sex, they also liked mischief. Sometimes elves would capture human children and keep them as their own. Sometimes they would exchange them for changelings, again, much like the fairy folk of Irish and Scottish lore. And elves do cross into a lot of Scottish folklore as well. But they are, like we just discussed, part of like the fairy folk umbrella over there. Um, or, or they're more like cousins. Sometimes elves would just also take people for sport and keep them in their world where they could serve the elves or act as a companion. Time in the world of the elves would move much more slowly, and if a human disappeared into their world, they would return many years later, acting and looking as though they had only been gone for a few short days. Oh, that would be lovely. Wouldn't it? You just don't age at all? Yeah. You, like, yeah. go on a seven-year vacation? Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Pretty nuts. Light elves, as we were discussing, are a pretty popular fantasy character for all these crazy but non-rapey reasons. Um, They're less rapey and more helpful frequently in literature, but they still uphold a lot of similar characteristics. Leslie, why don't you give us some examples? Okay. So today I'm bringing you the Lord of the Rings and um, D&D elves. So what's D and D for our for our people who don't know, which most of our listeners probably know, but just in case, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. There we go. <laughs> All right. So in Lord of the Rings, think of Legolas, Legolas. I'll gladly think of him. 
Um, so I got most of this information from the Silmarillion, Ooh. which is like the Bible of Lord of the Rings, like by Tolkien. I've never read it, but I very much enjoy hearing like information about it. I'd, I'm not smart enough to get into that, but <laughs> you, you can tell me everything smart. you want to know. You too can be a Tolkien <laughs> scholar if you so choose. Thank you. I think I would fall asleep too much during it. <laughs> I mean, anyway. you didn't read them all this week just for this? Yeah. I thought about it. <laughs> you did think about it. I was like, that would be such a waste of time for me to give you like three paragraphs. That worth would be of the craziest thing you ever did. If you rolled up and you were like, listen, I've read all of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'd be like, we need a different podcast. Going now, in. all we talk about yeah. is The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Also, I was trying to research elves in Lord of the Rings and I thought like, oh, let me just see if somebody did it on a podcast. So many people have a podcast about Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And it's all these older men that have like older children and they just come home at night after like a day of hanging out with their kids and they just get on and they talk about like in the next chapter of oh, the book. Oh, no. <laughs> there was like three podcasts like that and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, good for them. Like, they have yeah, a hobby. No, they're they like, have people. It was great. They're feeling creative. I love it, but... <laughs> All right. Let's All right, just... let me get into this. Let's just have, like, a little pretty version of it. Sure. Okay. Great. So, the Awakening of the Elves is an event that took place long before the first age of Middle-earth in a time known as the Year of the Trees. <laughs> oh, Trees. <laughs> In the elves' account, the awakening happened in the precise moment when Varda finished creating additional stars in the sky. She had just left the Council of Valar and was afraid that the firstborn would come in darkness and that Melkor would find it easy to subvert them. Wow. So let me talk about that. You went in. Okay. <laughs> I did. Let's go. All right. So the elves are, these elves in Lord of the Rings are... Similar to Holly's description, but still very different. They're not as much, they're not like mischiefs. Um, they do have similar um, features and and they're not rapey. The ones that Tolkien talks about are not rapey, which is nice. They're just beautiful. They actually have very little sex, which is great. Um, <laughs> for, I don't know if it's For our great. circumstances. They're nicer. Okay. Varda is the queen of Velar. She was tasked with waking up the elves to this new world they created. So imagine like the beginning of Earth. Mm -hmm. It's just like this is like the the Sil uh, the Silmar. Sorry, I can never just say it fast enough. Silmarillion. Okay, is kind of like the Bible. Okay, right? Elf Bible. So, Got it. Yeah. So she was tasked with waking the elves up to this new world that they created, and Melkor is this like evil guy this evil i thought he was a wizard i might be wrong with that now because but anyway we're gonna call him that and everyone can yell at me later but he's evil lord of the and rings people been, will yell at you so. i know i thought yeah i can explain you myself later but i'll defend right now, them i'll defend you i mean not I them thank you they can get out of All here right, so he had been chained up for a while for being a douchebag but he Ooh. got let out okay and he was hoping to gain some other evil minions. And Varda, who can hear all the voices across the world and can also kind of see the future or, like, at least know somebody's intent, um, she knew that Melkor was going to try to get these elves first. Like, he wanted to change them to become, like, go to the dark side. Oh. So she decided to create the stars, and when the elves 
awakened, their eyes would first gaze into like these beautiful lights and they were so thankful and inspired by them. Um, So they were like going towards the light rather than the darkness. And they loved Varda for this like beautiful thing. And the first thing they heard were the sounds of rivers. And this will also lead them to like love the water and beautiful calming sounds. And if you watch the Lord of the Rings, like they live like amongst the trees and on the rivers. And it's like very peaceful and nice and beautiful. And they don't rape a bunch of people? They do not. Uh, The elves were the first to awaken as inhabitants of, like, this new world. Instead of following Melkor to the dark side, they loved and honored Varda. They would call her uh, by name and sing beautiful hymns to her. And they believed her name was deadly to evil spirits, too, which is kind of cool. So they have, like, their own lore. Melkor was a little shit. And was causing trouble. (laughs) And sometimes the elves would, like, go off a little bit further than normal. Like, they just kind of, like, wander off. Stop it, elves. Yeah. And there would be what they call, like, raiders that they thought would have been sent by Melkor to, like, take the elves. And it's believed that he was taking the elves to actually turn them into orcs. So this is where, like, in this realm, that's how you get orcs is from him, like, breeding these elves. Yikes. Into them. Yeah. Very weird. Those are like like kind of like dwarves or dark elves. Orcs are like they remind me of like ogres kind oh, of. Oh shit, okay. I think. I'm j- they were like gross. They were like big grayish things. Okay, big monster guys. Got it. Yeah. Um so elves are immortal. Um they are bound to the world until its end. They are immune from diseases and recover from wounds that would typically kill a mortal man. Ooh, that's Um, a good one. They can be, like, quote-unquote, killed by slaying or from grief or weariness. Like, kind of what you said, they just get, like, old. (laughs) And they're just, like, tired. They're just... I'm tired. I decided I'm done. I'm just done. Yeah, exactly. They can just, they live forever. So they're just like, I'm over this. (laughs) I'm tired. And elves weren't meant to die. They actually like, because they were bound to the earth, the idea was that they would just live forever. But Melkor being like the evil dick that he is, he was just like, no, we're going to figure out ways to kill them. Worst. So should an elf die... Its spirit would be summoned to the halls of Mandos in Amen. <laughs> elves could oh, no. refuse. Yeah. Well, no, this is good. The oh, halls yes. of Mandos is like a nice area. Okay. Elves could refuse the summons, but this would suggest that they were tainted. Elves who went to the halls were, after a period of time, typically given the opportunity to be reincarnated into a body identical to the one that they died in. Nice. Uh, But the Valar could also postpone this reincarnation if they thought that the elf was evil or had hard feelings towards others. Hmm. So, like, the elves are supposed to be, like, nice people. And they're just like, you're, you're, like, causing a problem up there. We don't know if we want to bring you back. Also, I think it would be, like, a thousand years. I think there's a thousand, like, if they died, they had to wait about a thousand years. And then they could bring them back into rotation or something. (laughs) This is all interesting. Yeah. Um, elves, this is what's nice about them. They marry for love Aww. and they practice monogamy. So they have Ooh. very few children. They, at most, it's like four to five kids that they'll have through their whole lifespan. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, some are like thousands of years old and that's all they have. They do not have rigid gender roles. So even though that they live together and they're men and women, they don't, they don't abide by gender roles. 
They were healers and hunters, and elves would decide to specialize in one or the other. Mm. So elves, and, and they enjoyed smith work, sculpture, weaving, music, lore, and healing. And, of course, like archery. Their weapons of choice were more um, like it would be a bow and arrow, a sword, something that was kind of quick but close by. Like they didn't – they were very good in combat, but they – That's This is interesting because – it's way more detailed than actual elf mythology. <laughs> like real well, Norse. Yeah, I mean, this is Tolkien. Tolkien made like a world. This so. is from the actual world, and they did not go into it as much. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the Norse yeah. mythology is very mysterious about them and leaves a lot open for oh, yeah. interpretation because they're going to be yeah. like this ethereal being that you could blame on things happening, basically. Right. Um, but this is like hard and fast rules. Well, yeah. Well, I guess because this is a in our world, we don't we don't actually see elves. So in order to have elves exist, they have to be invisible and they have to be mysterious yeah, because mm-hmm. we don't actually see them. Yep. I mean, yeah. I don't see them. I've only seen them like once or twice. Okay, so you know, yeah, it happens. And they're very mysterious. <laughs> Did they get <laughs> rapey? No. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad you're safe. I consented to all of it. <laughs> They're so attractive. No. I was in the woods. <sighs> yeah. I just had to go with it. It was a moment. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Listen, no one's judging you here. Yeah. Okay, so that was like Lord of the Rings elves. There is a shit ton of more information. I don't need to go into that because that's where I'm going to like start to get messed up and people are going to get real mad at me. So <laughs> it's fine. Um, so now we also have like D and D elves, which generally came mostly came from Lord of the Rings. I didn't realize that like that's how that happened. That's interesting. Yeah, I, there will be people that will defend the guy. I feel like his name is Gary. Oh, I forget his name. Gary. I looked it up real quick and forgot to write it down. <laughs> the D and D guy. Yeah. Okay. I um, like that you're like it's just, it's Gary. It's Gary. He's, I think it's he started Gary. it. <laughs> Gary from the office. So, <laughs> um, but there will be people that will defend him and be like, it's really not the same, but like it, it is. I think he was even like sued because of how similar it was. Every D and D person I know weighed in on a Facebook feed where they're like, yeah, there's just Tolkien elves. It's fine. So. Yeah, yeah, because that's our people. Yeah, that's true. So these elves are um they say they they call it uh lither frames they're like thin and graceful and strong and super magical um just like the elves in lord of the rings oh that's the other thing in um tolkien's elves they are also very magical the difference here is that the dungeons and dragon elves are going to be like yeah i'm fucking magical i'm like magical as shit i got magic coming out of my asshole like they're like super about it whereas i like it (laughs) Whereas the Lord of the Rings ones are a little bit more like that it's just part of me. So it's not they acknowledge that it is magic because that's what humans would call it. And humans don't have this capability, but it's just in their genes that they can just kind of radiate magic through things. So like Legolas's uh, bow and arrow, it's just he can just keep getting arrows out and it mm. is constantly replenishing out of his but that's quiver. Like, what a word yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about so, elf sex. Gonna have to mention a quiver. Sorry. Sure are. It's all right. 
But that's just when he made that Bowen, when he made his like instrument, he could just, it, that's just what happened Got to it. it. He was able to put that energy into it. So D and D elves are like, "Fuck yeah! Look at all my arrows!" Yeah, okay. and like Lord of the Rings are just kind of like, "Yeah, I mean, it's just what we are. We just have it." <laughs> nice. <laughs> and both elves are far superior than humans, like in every single way. That's the same in mythology too. They're like, yeah, superhuman. Yeah, it's just kind of what humans want to be. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So they are split into races in Dungeons and Dragons, and there are different um, types of elves in Lord of the Rings as well. Like they end up branching off into different factions. Okay. But in D and D, the three main ones, and then there's like a thousand more. Oh, good. Are um, there's the dark elves, which are the the drow, the dow drow. I wrote drow, but I feel like it's dow. Couldn't tell you. I'm so sorry, guys. And I just tried to look it up, and I lost all of my notes. Anyway. So the dark elves, they live underground and they only like to come out at night. Uh, They make plots to bring the rest, like they want to bring the world down. They're like little evil elves. They're more like the mischiefy ones. It's dark. So they just like sit underground and they're like, how are we going to kill this world? (laughs) Oh man, Gary. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we have the high elves. These are probably the most similar to the Lord of the Ring ones, Tolkien elves. They are like elfish royalty, mm. and they're the oldest and the wisest and the savagely uppity. <laughs> 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 oh man! Yeah, they're like the one percent. <laughs> oh no, we don't we don't care yeah. for them. Then I get it. Yeah, um, and that's, like, probably that part. There's some elves that are like that in Lord of the Rings, but a lot of them aren't that that conceited. Um, and then we have the wood elves. These are the ones I would live with. They are happy and fun, and they don't care much. They're just like, yeah, we just, like, live in the woods, and we just want to worry about our space, and you guys just, just don't come into our space, and we won't come into your space just leave us alone. We're just here to like smoke our weed. So those and guys bes- eat our snacks. Aside from the weed <laughs> and smoking, love our women. <laughs> those guys um, will remember that because they are very similar to Icelandic elves. They have a very similar okay. like mythology. Okay, so um, I was told this. I got a lot of help on this from um, our patron Jess's husband, oh, yes. Adam. Um, he was saying that the wood elves, that's kind of like what Legolas would be. Okay. And, okay, so all these elves, they are very quick. They move fast. They're gifted in archery and in battle. Um, they're adaptable to their surroundings. They're hella magical. They, um, I think they have like their own plane too that they can go to. And like, so like what you were talking about, um, they could take humans or other beings, like Mm -hmm. have changed, like all that stuff. They can do things like that in this world. Whereas in Tolkien's, I believe that it's like they travel to different parts of this Middle Earth, but they're mostly just on Earth. And then they also have like when they die, there is like a quote unquote, like a heaven that they can go to and then be reincarnated and like filtered back onto the Earth because they are a part of. They're a part of your world. You said you were going to sing this week. Yeah. You promised me. I have so many songs. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so those are 
Those are from there. Okay. Those are my elves. Wow. Those elves are way more specific than mythological elves. So that's very interesting yeah. that people would take this. I mean, it comes back into play later. People will take a certain mythological archetype and then they'll just kind of run with it real hard, mm-hmm. which is what happened there. So moving forward, the earliest surviving manuscripts mentioning elves in any Germanic language are from Anglo-Saxon England. In Old English, elves are most often mentioned in medical texts, which attest to the belief that elves might afflict humans and livestock with illness. Most of these would involve sharp and sudden pain. In fact, a phenomenon called elf shot persists in some cultures to this day. When a person was struck with an unexplained stitch in their side, a cramp, a muscle spasm, or rheumatic pain in a localized area, believers would blame it on the elves, saying the person had been shot with their invisible arrows. The prevention or curing of elf shot comes from using a charm against the sudden stitch. The three plants used in the cure are feverfew, red nettles, and waybread. All of them have vaguely spear-shaped leaves, which may have suggested their use as a remedy for pains attributed to elf arrows. Oh. Yeah. Do you think Cupid's an elf? Maybe. He has arrows. He does. Some scholars believe that the phrase elf shot was also used in some cases to describe epilepsy. (laughs) Elf shot. That's what it's called because you're you're shot by elf arrows. I know. You've just been elf shot. (laughs) Seizures would be explained as an effect of elfin magic. Believes in elves causing illnesses remained prominent in early modern Scotland, where elves were viewed as being supernaturally powerful uh, people who lived in invisibly who lived invisibly alongside everyday rural people, unlike the Norse elves who were distinctly not human. So Scottish elves are human. Thus, elves were mentioned in a lot of early modern Scottish witchcraft trials. Many witnesses in the trials believed themselves to have been given healing powers or to know of people or animals that were made sick by elves. Throughout these sources, elves are sometimes associated with the succubus-like supernatural being called the mare. Ooh. I know. it's gonna Like from Buffy? I don't know. We'll get there. Don't give it away if you know the end of this because it's – I have a good line. <laughs> okay. Probably not because you would have warned me. Oh. <laughs> So it's okay. The mare is a truly horrible creature that would come to people at night and sit on their chest. The mare would torture people in their sleep, causing great pain and terrible visions. The mare would cause people to toss about in their sleep and would tangle their hair into great knots, sometimes called mare locks. Because of this nocturnal torturer, to this day, we call bad dreams nightmares. Oh, shit. I know. I didn't want you to be like, like in Buffy, nightmares. I was like, no. <laughs> no. Did Buffy not do that? Okay. No. Because like that blew my mind. That was a pretty good one. That what? Wow. Right? I had no idea. That reminds me of the shadow people though. Yeah, definitely. And also the sickness reminds me of slender sickness. Yeah. Is Slender Man some kind of weird dark elf? Possible. Oh, he's super tall. Exists in his own realm, invisible to a lot of people, makes people sick. He's totally an elf. Wow. Nuts, right? Yeah. Now, as I mentioned before, in opposition to the light elves, Norse mythology also gave us dark elves, otherwise known as dwarves. Dark elves slash dwarves are where we got the modern-day convention that elves are crafty, as they are expert metal workers and miners, among other things. Yes, they created Thor's hammer. That's a real thing. 
They are also diminutive in size and therefore the origin for the medical condition known broadly as dwarfism. Dwarves are said to live underground or in caves in remote mountains. So we're getting a little closer to Christmas elves, but we're not there quite yet. Now brace yourselves, because dwarves have a totally metal, disgusting origin story. (laughs) The Norse creation story begins with a primordial giant named Ymir, who rose from the primordial goo created with the fire world above and the ice world below colliding. I think it's pronounced Ymir. It's Y-M-I-R. He was both male and female, so naturally, from their armpit sweat, sprang a whole race of giants. Right? Naturally. Okay. Yeah. Two of these giants then procreated and created Odin, the Norse god of war, wisdom, and death, which is fucking metal, and I love it. He's also Thor's dad. That's true. In case anybody's like, I get all my information from the Avengers. (laughs) You're like kind of right, so it's fine. I was like, you're like really on Thor. (laughs) He's in all of these, and I'm like, people are going to think it's fake, but it's not. It's totally in a lot of the mythology. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So Odin was created, and so were his two brothers. Odin and his brothers decided that there could not just be unlimited giants springing into being from the armpits of this primordial giant, so they decided to kill him. And after they do, they use his body to create the earth. His blood became the sea, his body and bones the earth and mountains, and his skull was hung over the new world as the sky. And from his body, now decomposing in death, rose tiny maggot-like creatures who crawled to the surface and became dwarves. Metal. I know. I'm not fucking kidding. This is very boiled down because this is a fun podcast and not an intense history lesson, but that is mythologically sound. Yeah. We can totally do Norse mythology one day because I love Norse mythology. Okay. Yeah. And this is where – that's where dwarves came from. Yeah, they were I love some it. of the first <laughs> – totally metal. They were some of the first beings to apparently inhabit the earth, and they worked to create and serve. It has also been said that they hold up the sky. Mm-hmm. They're not fucking yeah, gif assistants, dude. So <laughs> – Appearance-wise, dwarves are almost always shown as men. There are lady dwarves, but you don't see them that often. They are short and stocky and broad-shouldered. So while they are small in height, they're not exactly – well, they're short in height. They're not exactly small. Can't really call them small. They're just not tall. And they're nearly always bearded. Probably not the ladies, but I have no confirmation on that. I think that they are. They're all bearded, even the ladies. Yeah. All right. Sometimes they are portrayed as healers and helpers, and sometimes they bring sickness and violence. It really depends on the situation. Dwarf sickness, though, is not nearly as dramatic or serious as Elfshot. They just make you dizzy for a little while. (laughs) And that's inconvenient, but not fatal. Dwarves, like elves, are said to lust after humans, but they're not as rapey. Their purpose in life is not to seduce humans. They're busy with other things. But once in a while, they may get a little handsy. Watch out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are devoted warriors traditionally as well and possess superhuman strength. So Disney got a few things right there. They do live in the mountains. They are short and they mine for metal. But the rest is nuts and wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But Disney isn't the only purveyor of fiction to take from the dwarf lore. Can you name another, Leslie? Sure. Lord of the Rings. (laughs) You sound like someone obsessed with Lord of the Rings in this episode. I kind of feel like well, you should embrace that character. 
Yeah, here we go, guys. Okay. All right, let's dive deep in. <laughs> you're one of those dads, Leslie. It's after school. I am. You're talking I am. about Lord of the Rings. Let's get Man, it. Man, we just had just had took my kids to, you know, their spring concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're home to talk about Lord of the Rings. Now I'm home. Got a got a beer. I'm ready to go. Yeah. All right. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, so dwarves mm. were beings of short stature, as Holly says. They are often friendly with the hobbits, but were suspicious of elves. Mm. They were typically blacksmiths and stoneworkers by profession, unrivaled in some of their arts, even by the elves who were just good at everything. Ugh, fucking elves. Even though it is said that elves were the first to awaken, the dwarves might have actually been the first like beings on the on that new earth. Um so dwarves weren't in the initial plan for this new world. Probably just like Odin's. He was just like he didn't plan for these dwarves. He just kind of <laughs> broke up that giant and was God like, well, these maggots it. are coming out. Yep. <laughs> I can't prevent it. But they were very useful. He liked that. They were. So it's okay. Yeah. So they were created by Mahal, I think is how you say it. Mahal. So they were created deep beneath an unknown mountain somewhere in the middle of Earth. Mahal was not given permission to create them. So just like when uh, Varda Varda had created the elves, she was given permission by, and I am, again, very sorry, people, Iluvatar. 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 Sing it. There you go. From now on, if you don't know how to pronounce a word, you have to sing it 100% of the time. All right. New rule. So Iluvatar is the father of all. He's like the one god. (laughs) He basically created... He basically created all the beings to build this world for him. So that was like uh, Vardar who created the elves okay. and then this guy, Mahal. And they were all from – all of these beings were from a piece of his mind. So that's where you kind of get the idea of like um, they were creating this world in his image, kind of how they say that in Christianity. Yep. Um, but he didn't have to lift a finger, which is great. It was just like this one guy was just like, here's like seven people. They can do all my work. I'm just going to – I'll see you later. Oh, that must be nice. So Mahal decided – he was like, hey, I want to like make some creatures. Ooh. Like everyone else is like making things. They're making elves and humans. I got I got ideas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he made these dwarves and – gets real angry and he's just like i didn't tell you to make these things why did you make them they're maggots and wait a minute he was like i'm so sorry sir like i'll i'll kill the i'll just i'll just demolish them i'm sorry i even tried and so eluvator is looking at these poor little tiny hairy men and he's like we can keep them they're so ugly they're cute but he didn't want them to wake up before the elves because he was just like i have plans the elves are waking up first god damn it my (laughs) eluvator damn it (laughs) so Mahal put them back to sleep, and when they were allowed to awaken, this is super cute of Tolkien to do in the story. Okay. When they awoke, he paired them all off with, like, wives, so they just, like, awoke. Aww. But then, for some reason, there was just one that didn't get a wife. Oh, no! <laughs> Poor guy. I hate that! And there were seven clans, 
And the most recognizable are going to be like the long beard. So that's what you see right, right, I think right. in Lord of the Rings. That's probably the long beards. And that's like kind of the image we get of dwarves sometimes. And there is an eighth clan, but they are just made up of the outcasts of the other clans, which kind of reminded me of like the Night's Watch in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, I like it. So the dwarves in his stories are four and a half feet tall to like five feet tall. Oh, they're not so that again, short not, then. No, like so they're short, just like not that short. Um, I feel like they are like, I don't know if they're taller or the same size as hobbits. Maybe that's why they get along with them. Um, I forget how tall hobbits are. Hobbits are but that's like why like, the elves are like so tall. They're like mm. extra tall from them. And they all have beards, even the women. So that's where I was saying. Oh, like, there you go. Yeah, they just all kind of look the same. Uh, they like gold and they're kind of greedy. Mm. <laughs> they don't like the water and they avoid getting on boats. Ooh. So that's like a big difference with the elves. And it's probably because they were like, they woke up in a, like, a mountain, like under like, this like, weird. fucking elves like the water. I'm going to stay away. Yeah, they probably didn't see water for a very long time where they were. Mm-hmm. They mined and worked precious metals throughout the mountains of Middle-earth. They were considered unrivaled in their arts, as with smithing, crafting, metalworking, and masonry. The dwarves are, are strong and resilient to fire, and um, which is what makes them so great at probably making, like, yeah, um, armor and things like that. Yep, forging. I think in Greek mythology, I think the dwarves are what make um, Wonder Woman's, like stuff wonder woman is in greek mythology oh yeah she's part of yeah she's like the daughter of zeus Mm, okay and they are a hardier than they are hardier race um they're secretive they're stubborn and steadfast in amenity or loyalty oh dwarves dwarves i know pretty cool (laughs) yeah so those are dwarves but lastly, and perhaps closest in nature to modern-day Christmas elves, are the Icelandic huldafolk, or hidden people. While they have a slightly different name, the huldafolk are definitely elves, as the Icelandic refer, refer to them as such often. Icelanders adhere to the Christian concept that the hidden folk are cast-off children of Eve, that, quote, what is hidden from God is hidden from man. Iceland was Christianized in the 11th century, and these beliefs stem from that. Other Christian folktales claim that um, hidden peach pill originate from Lilith or are fallen angels condemned to live between heaven and hell. I know this does not seem closer to friendly Santa helpers, but we are getting there, I promise. Like the Norse elves, the Hulda folk are supernatural beings that live in nature and are invisible to the human eye, but only when they want to be. Hulda folk are said to be large in build, their clothes are all gray and their hair is black, their dwellings are in mounds in the forest, like in the earth. So like a hill of dirt or whatever. So if you were to say, I don't know, trip across one of those, the Hulda folk would seek revenge by way of giving you bad fortune. Even if you just unintentionally crossed them, they would seek their revenge. Perhaps you would end up falling down or becoming injured. Perhaps your home would be damaged in a storm or your livestock would fall ill. It's hard to say. But any of those things that happened, you would then blame on crossing the Hulda folk. Uh, the Hulda folk are impish, testy spirits who can help or hinder humans as the mood strikes. Icelanders advise against throwing stones ever as you may inadvertently hit a hidden person. Hmm. This was a common superstitious device that continues to be so in Iceland. Like, there, people still strongly believe in this in Iceland. <laughs> I love that. I know, it's really cute. 
The Hildefog could be blamed for loss of natural phenomenon and for the consequences of living in such harsh terrain. Were someone to wander off and, like, fall off a cliff or something, well, the Hildefog would be to blame. Because of this, a great many children were kept safe and close to home with tales of their mischief. Likewise, they were taught to fear the harsh realities of nature. So here comes the Christmas. Icelanders still strongly believe in the hidden people. In fact, they still uphold traditions that began way back in the 11th century. For instance... All over Iceland, you will see doors constructed in mounds of earth and little makeshift bright-colored houses people have fashioned to appease the Hulda folk. Oh. There are elf houses, like, all over the place. You can just find them. That's a, we need to go. We do need to go. They also have an elf um, college where you can go attend a course, and they tell you all about elves, and then you get a little diploma with, with like, snacks at the end of the day. <laughs> I... I know. Iceland what? Iceland is great. <laughs> it's true. Why am I here right now? I don't know. We could be like <laughs> that partying is with everything elves. I've ever wanted in life. Everything. It's an elf university in Iceland. Oh, fuck yeah. Also, every time an Icelander has a party, it is customary to leave a little food and drink aside and out for the Huldefolk once everyone has gone home for the night. This is especially important on Christmas Eve. We don't leave milk and Santa for milk and cookies for Santa for original reasons. That's not the American way. No. No. Hulda folk actually have several holidays. On Christmas night the, house, night, the house will be cleaned and food will again be left out. The same happens on New Year's Day and, quote, 13th night, which is an Icelandic holiday celebrated on January 3rd, as well as during the midsummer holiday, which is now scary for everyone because A24 deemed it so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, it is believed that the elves move to new locations, and so Icelanders leave candles to help them find their way. Now, this has a distinct elf-on-the-shelf vibe, if you ask me. Hmm. On Midsummer Night, folklore states that if you sit at a crossroads, elves will attempt to seduce you with food and gifts. There are grave consequences for being seduced by their offers, but rewards for resisting. It is from Iceland that we get one of my favorite elf fables, and that is the story of the elf and the midwife, which goes something like this. So you get a fable too. Ready? <laughs> Sounds like a Netflix show. Maybe it should be. I don't know. You can judge afterwards. One night, a young woman was summoned to her window by a gentle knocking. When she went to see the origin of the sound, she found an elf standing outside her house. He beckoned her outside, and she went. Once there, the elf told her that his wife was in labor, but there were no midwives about to help bring the child into the world. He saw that the young woman was herself a midwife and asked if she could help them. The woman reluctantly obliged, and the elf took her to the hidden world. He guided her through a rich and beautiful world to a beautiful young elf woman laboring strenuously. The midwife helped the elf deliver her baby and stayed on to ensure the baby and the mother were safe and healthy. The elf family was so appreciative of this act of kindness that they not only celebrated the young midwife, but offered her a unique gift. They placed an ointment on one of her eyes that would allow her to see the hidden folk at all times. With this ability, she would be able to forever avoid angering them and therefore never be on the receiving end of their wrath. The only catch was that she must never tell the other hidden folk of this ability. It must be kept secret at all costs. The young midwife was able to keep her promise for a great many years, but sadly, not forever. One day, she crossed paths with an elf in the forest and made it known that she was able to see him. 
Enraged, the elf demanded she explain herself, and after she did, he asked through which eye she was able to see him. The midwife indicated which was the eye with the special sight, and the elf jumped on her, digging out the eye and forever blinding her otherworldly sight. Ooh. I know. I wanted to I wanted to make sure I had like a full tale, and that was my favorite of the lot. <laughs> yeah, they use that story a lot in um in different in different stories. The elf knight is also <laughs> a very popular um like elf folklore story. It's where like yeah. um there's several versions of it. One of them is like the elf knight seduces a human woman and he wants her to be his wife and so she wants to leave, and he says, you can leave if you perform these impossible tasks, and she can't perform them. And the other one is, like, yeah. she wants to stay, and he says, you can stay if you perform these impossible tasks. So there's, like, two of them. But right. that one is also very common. It's just, like, not as – this one is better to tell. So, <laughs> yeah. so it shows the midwife. Yeah, so in a lot of a lot of stories that I hear that in mm-hmm. are of fairies yeah. instead of elves, mm-hmm. but they're but they're very close to in the show the magicians, mm-hmm. the fairies kind of look like elves mm-hmm. in a sense. So um like the elves that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they have the one character gets an eye that allows her to see them. Oh interesting. And she does have to keep it private. Oh wow. Because they would get mad. Okay, so that is angry. definitely directly taken from this story. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So over 50% of Icelandic people still engage in hidden folk superstitions. And while they cannot say they might actually believe in otherworldly beings with strict certainty, they refuse to rule them out. Once, during road construction in 1971, a bulldozer broke down. The driver placed the blame on elves living in a large rock that was set to be moved. Despite locals not having been aware of any elves living in this rock, newspapers ran with the story and thus started the myth that Icelandic road construction was often impeded by elves. In 1982, 150 Icelanders went to the NATO base in Keflavik to look for elves who might be endangered by American Phantom Jets and AWACS reconnaissance planes. In 2004, Alcoa had to have a government expert certify that their chosen building site was free of archaeological sites, including ones related to the Huldefolk, before they could build an aluminum smelter in Iceland. And finally, in 2013, a proposed road construction from the Aftanes Peninsula to a Reykjavik suburb was stopped because elf supporters and environmental groups protested, stating that the road would destroy the habitat of elves and local cultural beliefs. Local elf, I know, this is true. Local elf seers went so far as to say that it was a chapel constructed for the elves, and they battled this out all the way to the Supreme Court. Wow. Yeah, it still hasn't been settled to my knowledge. Interesting. Folklore professor Terry Gunnell was quoted famously as saying, quote, In short, everyone is aware that the land is alive, and one can say that the stories of hidden people and the need to work carefully with them reflects an understanding that the land demands respect. I like that. Me too. Maybe we should have elves. Yeah. Then America would stop being so awful. I like it. The most obvious representation of the Hulda folk in modern media would be the hidden folk in Disney's Frozen films. And I would say that they get most of it right up until the point where they call them trolls. Oh, right, yeah. Trolls are giant and gross and scary and a totally different species. They're not hidden folk at all. It's very different. So No, they're trolls. They're trolls, which have their own – we could do a whole episode just on trolls. For sure. So try again, Disney. 
Leslie, do you have any other fictional elves you might want to quick mention before we get to Santa? Maybe ones. Hmm, maybe ones let me that are in- think about it. Um. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> how about the house elf? Oh, how about them? <laughs> well, the house elf from Harry Potter world. <laughs> Which I know, I know, we're not supposed to like Harry Potter because J.K. Rowling's a turf. I get it, but still, it's culturally important. Continue. Thank you. People get mad. So, <laughs> I know. I just, just let me like what I like. I, uh, girl, we've had this conversation. <laughs> All right, house elves are between two to three feet tall with spindly arms and legs and oversized heads and eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have pointed bat-like ears and high squeaky voices. Rather than conventional clothing, house elves wear discarded items like pillowcases and tea towels. Tea towels, which we have in our merch shop. I would love an elf. Somebody please, please art us up an elf wearing one of our tea towels. Oh, Please! Oh, I want it so bad. Okay. Somebody draw it. So, <laughs> they are magical beings, which is immensely, and they are de- immensely devoted and loyal to the one designated as their master. Mm. Um, house elves serve wizards and witches, and are usually fond uh, found under the employment of old wizarding families, taking residence in elaborate establishments like mansions, and must do everything that their masters command unless they are freed. A house elf can only be freed when their master presents them with clothes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, house elves have their own brand of wandless magic, which, despite their small physical size, is very powerful. Mm. House elves also presumably produce elf-made wine, given its name. (laughs) I want elf wine. I know. Sounds so good. Yeah. Um, So house elves, just like in all the elves we're talking about, are very magical. And even in Harry Potter, you can remember how powerful Dobby was. Yeah, for sure. He could just do things. And I felt like he was way more, I don't know, like had his powers down more than most of the other wizards. Yes. For sure. That's how I felt. There are guidelines of house elf welfare, but they weren't really enforced, which led to Albus Dumbledore and Hermione Granger to personally work to improve the lives of these creatures. I'm sorry. The whole part of the fifth book that was about this drove me nuts. It was so long. I wanted to die. The fifth book in general is just (gasps) so much. It is a lot. But good for them. Yeah. They are very loyal to their masters and will not allow themselves to be set free unless their masters present, present them with clothes. So a large group of house elves were enlisted by Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. There it is. <laughs> they work in the kitchens preparing feasts for the entire school. They mm. also move trunks and baggage and um, other things like from rooms. They clean dormitories and presumably other areas of the castle as well. Um, I believe it's not until like the, f- I forget which book, the fourth book is when Ron and Harry are even like aware of house elves. Like that's when he sees I, like Dobby. I don't remember. I think I so. think it's the fourth book. That sounds- and um, so they're like, they're hidden. You know, you don't see them in the kitchens, probably unless you got like detention and had to work it the was kitchen. The second book. Which I currently. Because at the end of the second book, the, the whole like diary and there's the sock in the diary and it comes out and that's how Dobby gets his sock. Oh my gosh. Right? Guys. Or was it the fourth one? I think it's the second one. And he didn't want him to like 
Pretty sure it's. It probably is the pretty second. Pretty sure it's one. the second one. I feel like because he's. I think it's the second one. This is uh, one of the movies that I've watched like four hundred times with my kids. So I'm. I know. Pretty sure. Well, you know what? Someone's gonna tell us. So. Oh my god! I'm mixing them. I'm mixing all the beginnings up because it's also the one where the cake is flying and like drops on that his like aunt's head. Remember? Yeah, that's the second Pretty one. Sure, yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> so anyway, so they don't, but they don't see them until like Dobby appears, and then all of a sudden they're like aware of these house elves. Um, and Helga Hufflepuff is credited with bringing the house elves to Hogwarts. So even though they're still kind of under, um, like, they're, I mean, it's still kind of like slavery. Like, they're yeah. treated so nicely, and it's like what they like to do. And that was like the whole thing of Hermione trying to free them, and they were just like, but we like it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, house um, elves. So yeah, those were those were house elves. Well, they're a fun, like little outlier because they don't really fall into a lot of the elf lore but that they got a little bit of maybe like hidden people in them and a little bit of dwarf in them and you know they have a little bit here and there but they feel like they're they're kind of their own creation yeah i feel like she just named them that because it's in like what she kind of sees elves as and that's fine everybody else decided to do the same thing so (laughs) like i would have thought that they'd be like they come off more like dwarves to me other than their ears. They're like little freaking gremlins. I don't know. <laughs> they are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. So with that, you have all been very patient, and I will finally tell you how elves made their way into Christmas. The version of elves that appear at Christmas time actually came from Victorian England, but don't worry, they have their influences from every single thing we just mentioned. Believe it or not, Most of the version of Christmas we know today comes from the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, which is better known to most of us by its opening line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." This poem, written by Clement Clark Moore in 1823, refers to Santa as, quote, "'A right jolly old elf,' which always confused me. Is Santa also an elf? He's so big. How did that happen? Yeah, he is an elf. As it turns out, there is a whole corner of the internet that spends a lot of time thinking about just that concept. Mm-hmm. So what started out as a joke is really a topic too lengthy and diverse to cover today. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, there are arguments on both sides, lengthy and heated arguments. Oh. So. Yeah, I'm on the side that he is an elf himself. I believe in Rankin-Bass movies strongly, so he's a person raised by elves, in my opinion. Well, no, he's super magical. He's an elf. Okay. Reddit loves you. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, anyway, drawing from this inspiration, so the poem, and the 1810 Grimm's fairy tale story trilogy, The Elves and the Shoemaker, the illustrators of a magazine called, I shit you not, Gaudy's Ladybook, <laughs> the real name, created an image of Santa in his workshop surrounded by toy-making elves and featured it on their cover in December of 1873. And it really took off. Yeah. Gotti's Ladybook was one of many, I can't even say it, it's so funny, was many was one of many magazines created by men for women to sell them things. That phenomenon is also why we shave our armpits. The bigwigs at Gillette wanted to sell more razors, so they turned their market to women. They made them pink and advertised them along with the notion that maybe shaving one's underarms would be dainty and attractive. And voila, we all shave our armpits now. 
I know, and now I can't stop, but I want I to. I do not want to. I do not want our pet Well, hair. that's what I mean. I just don't want to have to do it, but like. I hear you. I don't want to not do it. I wish I was like Amanda Palmer. I could just kill it. She just, gives no fucks. She doesn't. A lot of people don't. <laughs> I am not one of those people. Oh, well. Oh, I get so sweaty. Society got to me. Anyways, the charming image of Santa and his toy-making elves really must have done the trick because it has been an enduring Christmas staple since then. The image was published with the caption, quote, Here we have an idea of the preparations that are made to supply the young folks with toys at Christmas time. End quote. And in fact, we can double down on the influence of Gaudi because its immense popularity... And because of that, the publication was also responsible for the birth of many other Christmas traditions, having shown the first widely circulated image of a modern Christmas tree on the front cover of its 1850 Christmas issue. Hmm. So this magazine was a big deal. Now, St. Nicholas always had helpers. But if we trace some of his origins back to the Netherlands in the 16th century, we'll discover that they were not elves, but small Terrifying, fire-scorched little demons. <laughs> it's true. Oh, no. They're always shown all, like, burnt-up looking. St. <laughs> Nicholas captured these demons from the flaming pits of hell and chained them up, forcing them to do his bidding. Oh, man. Which might have been gift-giving and just as well might have been beating children to a pulp with branches and dragging them kicking and screaming into the fires of hell. Tomatoes, tomato. Exactly. <laughs> their treatment, of course, depended on their behavior. Hmm. Obedient and hardworking children were rewarded. Lazy children who complained were destroyed. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. A hair more extreme than our current Santa and his benign little Keebler-esque toy makers. <laughs> These little demon helpers are where we get the much-beloved Christmas monster, the shadow of St. Nicholas, the Krampus who we will talk about in our live special on the 18th. Hey. <laughs> plug. Plug, plug, plug. While Krampus may be everyone's goat-horned favorite, he's not the only famous beast to be dragged along in St. Nicholas's fiery coattails. No, his little demon pals were usually along for the ride as well, as they are featured in illustrations coming up all the way from the medieval times. So if you see St. Nicholas, he has a bunch of little demons that are, like, burnt by fire. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and before that, they were ravens. Circling back around to Norse mythology, which we have favored heavily in this episode, mm -hmm. Sinterklaas rode Odin's eight-legged stallion through an event called the Wild Hunt which was essentially a parade of ghosts and gods that would tear through town as a precursor to a majorly awful historical event such as a war or a plague. Mm -hmm. So it's like a warning. When you see the wild hunt, nothing good is going to happen. During these, I know, <laughs> hide, hide your wives, hide your children. The wild hunt's about. <laughs> During these hellish parades, Sinterklaas was accompanied by two jet-black ravens. These ravens would fly ahead into the villages and listen at the chimneys of the locals to report back to Odin the behavior of said mortals. So naughty and nice was always on the menu. It was just being served up by a widely evolving staff. Over time, Santa's helpers evolved from ravens and small charred gremlins to, and I sorely hate to even say this, slaves. 
because we can't fucking have nice things and we don't even deserve them. Yeah. Anyway, for a time, Santa traveled with a team of slaves who helped him about with his work. But when that became more obviously atrocious, they were adapted back into elves. However, in some parts of the world, Santa is still attended to by helpers who are, in fact, full-grown men often dressed in blackface, which I know is terrible. Namely, he is, he is accompanied by a character called Black Pete, who appears yearly in the Netherlands to kick off the month-long celebration of St. Nicholas. He seems to warrant, like, a huge party in the Netherlands. No one else has jumped on board, but there they're still going. Black Pete will arrive ahead of St. Nicholas and kick off the merriment, handing out gifts and amusing children by day, and listening at their chimneys by night. I know. In order to report back to St. Nicholas who has been good and who has been bad. Much like the ravens of old, Black Pete is there to be a snitch. The chimney listening thing, though, is just a lot scarier when it's a grown-ass man standing on your roof and listening into your chimney. Yeah. For sure. That's, the ravens belong up there. A guy? Not, not so much. Not so much. Back in the Netherlands, St. Nicholas does arrive on a boat in early December. He has a parade wherein he rides on a white horse to this day. Um, he has the people of the, he has his people fuck up the bad kids, watches Krampus rain chaos on the villages, and then maybe hands out a little candy and a few toys. It's all pretty perplexing, and I don't condone or celebrate any of it. I simply Mm -hmm. report it. So now, armed with all of that information, I can say that the elves got into Christmas kind of like this. The Grimms were influenced to create their shoemaking elves by the size and handiness of dwarves. What I didn't tell you before is that the other two stories in the elf trilogy include elves swapping a baby for a changeling and a servant girl being taken by the elves and disappearing for seven years. So the Grimms knew what they were talking about. The illustration that started all of this was influenced by that very story, and the world added the rest in bits and pieces from there. The elves are Santa's helpers, much like Black Pete and the demons. If we are to believe Santa is one of them, with which Leslie does very strongly. We leave him food on Christmas Eve, just like the Icelandic do for the Huldefolk. And our elves on shelves change location while out of sight, much like the Huldefolk on New Year's Eve. As in Norse lore, Santa's elves are never seen by human eyes and have pointed ears. They often are um, also able to talk to animals. Elves monitor your behavior and report back to Santa Claus, just like his original ravens. And they live in the mountains like dwarves and the Huldefolk. And were born from the rotting flesh of primordial giants. Just kidding about that last one (laughs) maybe not though who knows who knows so however you slice it elves are so much more than modern christmas lore gives them credit for probably because the rest is terrifying but i can promise you one thing dear fiends you will never look at them the same way again and sometimes they just want to be dentists (laughs) (laughs) they do they do. Sometimes they want... Do you remember? Yes. You remember of course. Hermie the Elf? Why am I such a misfit? <laughs> that song? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> he did. What are the other ones? What? That's my jam. What was his? Yeah, he wanted to be a dentist, and Rudolph had a glowing nose, and then all the misfit toys had emotional problems. <laughs> they did, yeah. They all had problems. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good times. I think we all live on our own island of misfit toys nowadays. For sure. So it's fine. You have any elf <laughs> additives for the end? <laughs> no, you covered it. Um, I was excited to get the the Norse mythology. My friend uh, Eric actually just hit me up about doing like Norse mythology mm. stuff like Thor. And I was like, oh, like maybe we can do something because there's a lot of there's a lot of fun areas. You told to me I was that. mentioning Thor too much and you just brought it back to Thor. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. Well because he mentioned that. Okay. And I told you people would. <laughs> but um I was cracking up because I was like, I told him maybe we can do something in January. And like this whole episode is about that. <laughs> so he's gonna be real excited. <laughs> and uh and a toast. Yeah. Woo! Well, first of all, obviously to Gary. (laughs) I sure hope that's his name. (laughs) What if it isn't? (laughs) Oh, no. Oof, guys. It was Black Friday weekend. I only had one pass here. (laughs) I know. Leslie was insanely busy this whole weekend, and it was Thanksgiving, and we've we've had a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, Okay, so to Gary. (laughs) (laughs) To Gary. Uh, To the nice, non-rapey elves. I mean, those are all made up, but we will cheer to them anyway. All the elves. Or did we... Did we make them up into existence? You don't know. I don't know. Truly, I, I don't. don't know. Okay, to elves that don't rape people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to what the hell is the name of that horrible magazine? Oh, Gaudy or something? It's Gaudy. It? Gaudy G- ladies. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Actually, it kind of is that. Gaudy's G-O-D-E-Y. So Gaudy, not Gaudy like that's tacky. Very different. Gaudy's Ladybook. That's what it is. Ladybook. Gaudy's Ladybook. (laughs) Nice. Oh, and uh, we have a new patron this week, don't we? We do. DJ Denio. (laughs) What a nice man. I know. He's so nice. (laughs) Go follow him on Instagram at DJ Denio. Oh, yeah. Do that. O-H. Yeah. He's super fun. So cheers to DJ Denio. And uh, be our patron, and we'll toast to you on air. So Yes. Oh, and follow us also on YouTube. We are starting to put up more videos. Yes. And since all of our campfires are now on Patreon, after we do, like, the live campfire, the uh, video will be available on our YouTube page afterwards. So you can still watch it. You just won't be able to participate during the event was if you're really not a patron. It was really fun last time. Yeah. It was a fun one. But um, yeah, the the last one was really good, had a lot of great information. So definitely go check it out. We have uh, two cold cases on that episode. So that was fun. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. I think all those right. are all of our. T- I guess I did have stuff. You did? <laughs> I guess I did have business. Good job. <laughs> all right. I guess we're ready to sew it up then. Yeah. Sew that. <laughs> sew it up. And if we <laughs> ended up on Santa's naughty list. We would be dead. We would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. 
and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Yeah, I'm fucking magical. I'm like magical as shit. I got magic coming out of my asshole.